Before we get started in this week's episode, I want to give a big shout out to the sponsor of the With Ego series, Good Note Clothing. That's Good Note CO, all one word over on Instagram, or GoodNoteStore.com. Go to them for all of your custom tie dye clothing needs shirts, hoodies, shorts, sweatpants. Myself, Rob Deerdeck, and a bunch of AEW athletes all rock the Good Note clothing, as should you. When you make your order, make sure you order one size up because it does fit a little snug, as the way I like it. And it keeps you snug and warm on those long plane rides or just cuddling up on the couch with your loved one. When you make your order, make sure you let them know that Robert Anthony, you can just go fantastico in some circles, sent you. Now let's get into the pod. pack been going through growing pains my demons they fight back but i'm in the center ring roll with the punches and taking measures learning through love and my endeavors eating fast food smoking pre-rolls dipping hay like a chicken tender i ride with my highs but keep it low-key i'm keeping it low-key ain't wasting no time on things that i don't need i don't need daydreaming off no sleep can't hide what your soul seek life moves at a slow speed if you're listening closely been jumping through hoops double dutch feeling broke budget cuts can't get ahead when you catching up two shots of my seven up all this work got me worked up Sue and tie got me dressing up can't follow steps when you stepping up on my own terms i'm growing up they told me Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Anthony, Ego Disco Fantasco in some circles, here with episode three of Potting with Ego. And before we get started, I want to thank every single one of you on making this podcast a success in a oversaturated market of pseudo wrestling podcasts. I am very humbled by the fact that over a thousand of you have listened to the episode so far <clears throat> as I unprofessionally cough outside of the mic, but it makes me realize that we're building a community that is looking for something that is a little bit different. And I feel that my story is very unique when it comes to the world of professional wrestling because for the last 22 years, uh, the majority of my story has been on the independence. And a small fraction of that was with the WWE, which we're going to get into here in a second. But it's a it's a... It's a look into this crazy thing we call wrestling through the eyes of someone that has technically did everything in the in the United States, right? I worked for every single major company in in the United States and got a check from all of them and seen a bunch of things along the way. <clears throat> so as I cough again, I apologize. Uh, as we get into this episode, let's really talk about how this hopefully helps you grow in any situation that you might have had where you lost something and how you could pick yourself up out of that. So recap, this is a part two of the you got fired from WWE story. Part one was got fired and cried to my mom and she kind of set me on the path of getting over it in my real life, my professional life. But 
how did I get over it in my professional wrestling life? The other part of that. And and here's how we're going to start that story. Um, I recently kind of told this you got fired thing on a good friend of mine, Rilla, as you know him as Tyrus, over on his podcast of Three Wise Men. And he told me that I went through the stage of grief, grief very early on. When I got fired, I cried. I cried my eyes out to my mom. And not many people go through that right away when they get fired. They, they immediately go to the who can I blame and the anger, anger stages. I went through the grief part because I spent my entire life up to that point to get to the WWE, and I did it. And I wasn't good enough. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't want to blame anyone. I was just sad. And it wasn't until I started back in the independence where I realized what happened to me then. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was when I took the mask off. I didn't know who Robert Anthony was as a person, as a wrestler, any of that. And when I went back home, started going back to college, I was just kind of wrestling at AAW, the company I helped form in Chicago. And I was stuck back in the same rut. And Mike Robles, who is synonymous with Smart Mark Video, which now merged with IWTV, good friend of mine, is very no-nonsense. He calls you on your bullshit. He tells you when you're doing good, and he definitely tells you when you suck. And he could see that I was falling into that rut, and he didn't want me to do that. He told me that I refuse to let you become a 30-miler. And what that means is a bunch, as an athlete or performer that only wrestles 30 miles from his home base. And he goes, you're not going to do that. You're going to come with me. I'm filming for IW Mid-South. Uh, let's get you out there a little bit more, get these independent promoters to see you and, and what you're doing. And reluctantly, I kind of did it. I was like, fine, I'll work for Ian. It is what it is. So me working for Ian opened up the CZW gate for me, which will be another podcast. I'm going to have the Black G's on to tell that kind of story because I need another person to bounce off of to tell the CZW story. But the way CZW happened was DJ Hyde saw me at Ian's and gave me a call, hit me up on Facebook, or not Facebook, MySpace, and he said, hey man, do you want to come to Philadelphia for Cage of Death? I was a huge mark for CZW, and I didn't know if I should go because I was still dealing with the you're not good enough type of deal from the WWE firing. And Robles is like, why not go? You've never been there. You've never been to Philadelphia. Go do it. Like, what do you have to lose? So I did. And once I did that cage of death, I learned what a wrestling family really was. And I was in a locker room unlike any other that I had in the Midwest. Uh, Any wrestlers listening out there, I don't know how it was when you first started, but in the early 2000s in the Midwest, everyone was fighting with each other. Everyone's fighting over 20 miles of quote-unquote territory. And they had the mindset, and, and Danny Daniels still has this mindset, but not anymore since the pandemic happened, but they had this mindset of you can't wrestle for anywhere 
that runs within 30 miles of any building that we book. And I get it as a business owner, as a, as a promoter standpoint, because why come see Wrestler X at Bourbon Street on a Tuesday when you could see them three days later at Logan Square for a different company, right? Uh, there, there's arguments to that, but I understand it. So a lot of the promoters were fighting with the wrestlers. A lot of wrestlers hated each other. They would shake your hand with their right hand as they would stab you in the back with their left. And that wasn't the case in CZW at the time. The 2009 to 2011 CZW crew was a legit family. Everyone wanted to see everyone else succeed. Uh, my first first cage of death match, uh, Ariel Salt, we went 30 minutes in the opener. And when we got to the back, Nick Gage was standing there hugging everyone because he was so proud of what everyone in that match just did. I was later told that after every spot would happen, Nick Gage would have a towel swinging over his head. He was so happy for us. And back in the Midwest, we would get chastised for not building towards the main event or uh, doing too much, which I get. I understand that way of thinking, but this was something new that I needed back then. It was helping me heal. So once I got the job at CCW, the healing began with they would rent a van in Chicago. I would pick it up, drive to Indianapolis to pick up Drake Younger, Scotty Vortex, OMG. Then later on, we would hit Ohio to pick up John Moxley and a few stragglers along the way and hit 74 all the way where we needed to go to South Philadelphia. And we started calling ourselves Team 74. And Team 74 we became a family, even though we're all from different backgrounds and different aspects in wrestling. We all had a lot in common, especially Mox and myself. Uh, we found out we had the same roommate uh, when I was in developmental, when he was in uh, Puerto Rico, and we had a lot of the same experiences, yet we were so vastly different. They helped me heal in a way that they could see that I was really good at this thing called professional wrestling, but I wasn't confident. And Drake really helped me get that confidence. Mox helped me get that confidence when I didn't think I could be CCW world champion, and they helped you. That locker room, still, there was no clicks. There was no segregation. We didn't have this group with this group with this group. And in other locker rooms, it was like that. I remember when I went to Pittsburgh, um, I think it was I. IWC, they still run to this day with, with a different promoter. But I went to that locker room, and it was super segregated. You had the hometown guys in this corner. You had the ROH group in this corner. You had the CZW guys in this corner. And a few outliers would kind of go through the whole mix of it. But relatively, everyone stayed with their crew. And I didn't like that. That's not why I got into professional wrestling. I got into it because I loved the sport, and I got into it because I wanted to find like-minded individuals when back in the day there wasn't any. You know, when I, when I was in high school and middle school, you had to hide the fact that you liked professional wrestling. And, it, and if anyone found out, they would make fun of you. 
It wasn't until Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Attitude Era, where everyone started to catch up. And by that time, I was like, don't fucking talk to me. You're a poser, and I don't care that you watch Nitro and, and you're throwing up too sweet. I was in this in the trenches, okay? Uh, I was in this watching Lord Alfred Hayes. You don't even know who that is. Get away from me, Harvey Wimpleman. So I remember uh, the diehards in my high school would have a, like a little test, right? If someone said that like professional wrestling, uh, we would say, okay, then who are the powers of pain? Okay, can you name every Royal Rumble winner from the beginning until that time? And we were really snobs about it because we went through the shit. So when I got into wrestling, I wanted to find that those people and that's who I wanted to learn from befriend because I enjoyed the history of professional wrestling I enjoyed the sport of it I enjoyed learning who paved the way before me and I found that on the east coast I found that family and when you think about you whoever's listening to this you when you find that you've lost something you know how hard it is to pull yourself out of it with the help of nobody. If you could do it, you're the strongest person in the world. But if you have a support system behind you of like-minded people, it's going to be the greatest growing experiences that you've ever had in your life. Because I always say two things. Number one, your story isn't over until you quit. So if you lost something and you quit, then your story's over. That's it. But when I look around where I'm filming in my basement, I got action figures in glass cases. Upstairs, I have an amazing hot smoke, smoking hot Mexican wife and two children that I have from losing something that I loved. I loved professional wrestling more than anything in the world. And I lost it. And when I lost it, I got something even better. I got something I love more than wrestling. My family. Everything I have right now is built off of something that I lost. And that's the way you need to look at it when you lose it. I loved professional wrestling. Ever since I can remember. I didn't want to be a, a basketball player, a football player, a fireman, or an astronaut. I wanted to be the ultimate warrior. And I loved it so much that I spent my entire life to get to it, and I got it. And when I lost it, when I lost professional wrestling as a job, my first love, I found something I love even more than wrestling, and that's those two children upstairs. Don't think your life is over if you lose something. It's only beginning. Don't let your world be crushed because a boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other left you. Find something that you didn't know you needed until you had it. Morbidly, right? I'm 40 years old. I technically, statistically, probably only have half of my life left. I, I lived half my life. And I have everything I need. If I lost my children and my wife, I wouldn't be able to function, right? Because not saying my story is over, but I found everything I needed. And I found it by losing something. 
Now, my great-grandmother lived to be over 100. Hopefully, I'm, I'm around way longer than 40 more years. But I found the last thing that I ever needed, and I found it by losing something. So as you sit in your car or working out in the gym or doing cardio or however you're listening to this, your story isn't over until you quit. And when you lose something that you love more than anything in the world, it's going to help you find something even better if you allow it. I had a great support system, my mother. She pointed me in the right direction career-wise. Mike Robles saw that I was hurting professional wrestling-wise and pointed me in the right direction to get over that. Team 74 knew that I wasn't confident hurting that way, and they pointed me in the right direction to become the performer I am today. That was my support system. And now, at 40, I think my legacy is training other kids right, at the Freelance Wrestling Academy, 3800 North Milwaukee Avenue. And my family is pointing me in the direction saying that you're really good at this. You might not have a TV run in you, but you could teach someone to have that run in them. So as much as I like to say I crawled out of the shit that I was in with the help of nobody, it's not the tra- it's not the case. I g- crawled out of the shit that I was in after WWE with the help of everyone. And that's the one message I want you to know. Back then, it wasn't really celebrated or encouraged to say what was going on in your mind, how you were hurting. It just wasn't our sport back then. But if you had true family that saw it, they knew how to help you, whether they were giving you direct advice or not. And you need to find that in your life. Now, let me let me let me start by saying this. Not all my podcasts are gonna be like this. I, I feel that this one needed to be said and kind of set the tone of of the way the world works today, right? By the way people feel mentally and, and you know, things like that. I'll be talking to my friends, we'll be joking, telling piss and fart jokes, but this story is the basis of how I am today. I'm very much an old school man yelling at the clouds. Uh, I started an argument on Twitter uh, because I just want to have fun with it about wrestlers running the ropes and grabbing the middle. And uh, some people took it the wrong way, but uh, you know it's better than people arguing about bullshit anyway. But yes, I'm an old man yelling at the clouds at the time, and that's not what this is at least today. Um, this is hopefully to help you listening. Um, get through some bullshit and grow from it and learn from it uh, through professional wrestling and my experiences. Because if it wasn't for Team 74, if it wasn't for John Moxley and them, I never would have accomplished the things I did later in life. That summer AEW run is something that I'll never forget, and I have Mox to thank for that. The match at the United Center with Joy Janela is something that is burned into my core memories because it was 20 years at that time of eating shit. And even though I was there to do a specific job and I completed that job, it was an accomplishment for myself. 
and I'm very, very proud of that. So if I would have quit when I got fired from WWE, I never would have had that. I would never had my my pint size all star pint size all star action figure. I wouldn't have had the DVDs and um, helping the youth. Right? If you quit, then your story's over. Don't fucking quit. You know. So, who knows where my professional wrestling life is going to go from here on out? I'm not too sure. A lot of companies need a 40 year old uh, father of two, but if they do, they know where to find them. I would love to kind of transition to the agent stage or just continue to train the kids at the school. But I'm learning that not everything has to go to plan for you to be happy. I'm learning that there's a lot of professional wrestlers and people out there that are not professional wrestlers get lost uh, when things don't go to their plan. And if I could say it to you in a way that's relatable through this thing of fighting in spandex, maybe it'll click something in your brain. Because it clicked in mine, but it took a while for it to happen. And once it clicked and I was at peace, that's when life wrestling-wise got better for me. Um, I really, 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 really think that me saying these words out loud on a podcast in a basement, hopefully you're listening to this, is therapeutic for me because I'm not going to sit in a car with Chico or Joe and kind of say these things to them because it's just an old man whining. But when I have time to reflect on the words that are coming out of my mouth without saying ums or long pauses, it gives you the creativity to say something that will resonate with yourself or resonate with somebody else. You know, I, I look at professional wrestling as a sport. I always have. And the kids today, the kids today, oh my goodness, right? Old man. The kids today, some are brought up the way I was. Some are brought up a lot different. But hopefully they learn what the profession was built on. Honesty, respect, and hard work. And if you don't have any of those things, then you're going to be dead in the water. I see a lot of kids, a lot. Of, some of them at the Freelance Academy, some of them come through the Midwest, um, don't understand that. They get frustrated because their story isn't written fast enough. They open their mouths when they shouldn't. They say things that are out of pocket, but, you know, the the world isn't the way it was when I broke in. And we're going to do a podcast about um, breaking in the business then to now. I'll have a guest for that one. But they, they don't realize that, and I tell them this all the time, the people that are going to give you a job in professional wrestling are very much old school. They love the old school way of thinking. They love the old school traditions. And it's going to be very, very hard for you if you don't learn that now. And a lot of people take that to heart. And a lot of people kind of mess that up and take that message a lot differently. But it, but it is what it is and people are going to do what they want to do. 
I can only point so many people in the right direction and give them the opportunity, at least professional wrestling wise, uh, that I can, you know, but that's not this, what this message is about. That's not what this pod is about. It's, it's, I loved wrestling, lost it, hate it, found a family, loved it again. Right. It's, it's amazing what you can do when you lose something. Hopefully I'm not rambling. Hopefully you're you're entertained with this and, and you're finding it therapeutic and helpful. But if I said it once and I'll say it again, your story isn't over till you quit. And I'm not ready to quit. <laughs> not anytime soon, man. I got I got some things that I need to accomplish. I got some things that uh, I want to see happen before I walk away. I want a student of mine to sign a professional wrestling contract. I want someone that I trained to know the joy of getting that FedEx envelope in the mail and writing your name on it and getting a check every single Monday. I would love that. And if I had more students that did that, whoo, man, game over. Uh, when I met Christopher Daniels and I asked him as a kid some advice being professional wrestling, one of the things he said was find someone repable that will train you. And I later on learned what that meant was find someone that's not selfish to train you. And I feel I'm the perfect person because the kids that I'm training, I'm not trying to take their jobs. I'm trying to help them. And not many professional wrestlers have that. They have trainers that are still trying to get that job themselves and might not uh, put the student first. I'm one that does. I put the students first. Uh, I, I sent a message in the student group chat and I said, um, I don't know how many more bumps I have left, but if I can get most of you signed, that looks good on me for the next stage of my career. So selfishly, we're helping each other out. And I don't think they understood that message because that means I want you to be more successful than I was. And I'm at peace with that. And if you become more successful than I will, hell, that'll help me out down the road when it comes to uh, me stop taking bumps but still be involved in professional wrestling business. But I don't want to get into the, all that bullshit and, and that drama and, and all that kind of stuff without a guest because I need a, a second hand at that. So as I say my goodbyes, don't turn it off yet because I do want to say a couple things and hopefully that will resonate with you as we do the go home. So as we say the goodbyes, please throw the subscribe on the Spotify or Apple podcast. Uh, I don't know what it does, but I know it helps out the pod some way because I don't know how you're finding this other than me tweeting about it. Uh, and then definitely throw a subscribe over on YouTube, youtube.com slash egofitness, or just look up e Robert Ego Anthony on YouTube. You'll find the pod, or the uh, YouTube and hit subscribe. I'm at about 2,000 subscribers. I'm a long way from, away from 100,000 subscribers. That's my ultimate goal. I've wanted a YouTube plaque ever since I started YouTube back in 2009 and 10-ish. And um, I'm going to keep doing it until I get it, right? Story's not over to you. Quit. I'm not quitting the pod. And I'm not quitting the vlog. The vlogs are out every single Monday over on YouTube. And as long as I have some guests and I'm not just rambling by myself on the microphone, the podcast will be out every single Friday. And I want to thank you for spending your Friday with me. But before we go, remember this. I said it once. I'll say it again. Your story's not over until you quit. And when you lose something that you loved, just know something better might come out of it. Like the phoenix rising from the ashes in X-Men or, you know, 
insert cliche there. So have a good Friday or whenever you're listening to this. And I'll see you on the next one. Have a good day, everyone.